What are you going to do, Commissioner? There's only one thing we can do. Batman! Sir, it's the Batfoot. Yes, Commissioner. Batman? We'll be right there. Fifth Band Pal. This is Batman Land. Be careful. Maybe a trap. Each week we chat about the 1966 Batman TV show. We're Batman and Robin, a crime fighter. We discuss the episodes to air this week on SBS Vice Land. My name is Dan Barrett. I'm an editor here at SBS. I'm joined by a woman who, when asked who her favourite Batman is, will only acknowledge Alfred the Butler. It's Fiona Williams. It's true. Hello. Yeah, and joining us for the very first time in Batman land, it's a woman who's opened no less than three Gotham Bank checking accounts purely because of the cute robot tellers. It's Nicola McCaskill. Hello. It's an honour and a privilege, Dan. Oh, look, it is a very exciting moment to get you into the studio because you're no stranger to the Batman TV show, as I understand it. I... Used to watch it sometimes when I was a kid in the morning. Yeah. That's enough. You qualify. <laughs> Overqualified, some may say. Ahead of the game. <laughs> now, here's the thing with the Batman TV show. When I went into this, what, like uh, 39 episodes ago? Got to look at the count. Well, because they're double episodes and oh, some yeah. triples. So we've, lot, we've watched more than 39 episodes, but of the Batman <laughs> land. You got that right. Time flies. <sighs> yeah, okay. It all works out. When I started doing the Batman podcast, I had rewatched a whole bunch of old Batman TV shows. I had the Blu-ray, so I gave it a look. And the thing is, I expected all the episodes to be kind of about the quality of this episode this week. So this is a perfect middle-of-the-road Batman episode. There's nothing bad about it. There's a couple of funny lines. I think this is kind of the perfect Batman episode in that it doesn't try to do too much and it doesn't do too little. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot going on in there. I quite enjoyed this one. Yeah, there are a lot less engaging ones, shall we say. Yeah, and I thought all the Batman episodes were like this. I kind of thought this is the exact pitch of the majority right. of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've learned otherwise. <laughs> but sometimes for good, sometimes for ill. Like, this is yes. the ta- rich tapestry of Batman life. Oh, isn't it, though? Mm. Fiona, mm. I don't remember what happened this week. <laughs> uh, can you please <laughs> remind us? <laughs> How can you forget this one? Anyway... Holy psych test, Batman. This episode will mess with your mind. Alert your anti-lunatic squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotham City Bank is handing out bum notes around the metropolis and ordinary citizens are passing one-sided funny money around the place. <laughs> Whimsical funny money. Commissioner Gordon <laughs> is haunted by the Joker's cackle. Joker! Which Chief O'Hara helpfully deduces is coming from nowhere and everywhere at once. I have a terrible feeling we've heard this laughter before. But for once he's actually got a point and a call to Batman figures out that the commish has mini speakers on his cufflinks. How the devil did it get there, Batman? Which is a nifty piece of technology in 1967, but it's also kind of a problem. So too is the means by which a subway weirdo was able to drop an antenna into the commissioner's left trouser leg, but no one delves into that in this 1967 episode of a kids' TV show. That dunderhead Gordon, he couldn't find a haystack. Back in a needle factory. Anyway, across the two episodes, the Joker is averted in trying to track down the Batcave and a publishing company called Penthouse... Penthouse Publishers. Yes, you heard right. ...is linked to a counterfeit cash scheme because of the ink used in its comic books. Of course! Used by Joker in his counterfeiting operation. Bruce fakes a bad investment and places an order for some dodgy dollars in exchange for giving the Joker a cosy seat on the bank board. Great And Robin happens by and tries to capture the Joker, but things go meta when he ends up on the conveyor belt about to become a human comic book. Robin, printed into a comic book! The end appears nigh for the boy wonder, and what is there to do? Uh, well, the moment we've all been waiting for... Quick, Alfred, put on your trusty Batman suit. Alfred donning the Batsuit, and overcoming his Virgo to walk the wall and save the day. Undeterred, Joker hatches a plot to coerce Bruce into a forced marriage with his criminal offsider. You creep! 
fucked your wife? And O'Hara and the Commissioner are outraged, especially at the weird appointment of the Joker to the bank board. The filthy greed of some people. They question Bruce's sanity and begin the process to have him committed and thus negate the decision. But before he's shipped off to Happy Acres, Bat Alfred shows up again and saves the day. Bruce is declared sane to be able to go back and teach Boy Wonder some more economics. Now, there's a lot to unpack with this week's Batman, but the thing that I want us to maybe focus on first, right at the very beginning of the episode, you've got the Joker who, I believe Chief O'Hara is the one that says it, he says it's almost as if some deranged mind is trying to taunt our sanity. Mm. Now, we hear about this, and when I saw that and I heard the Joker laughing in the background, it made me think of modern-day Joker and how we perceive the Joker character, Mm -hmm. because the Joker's always been this character that's pushing the the limits, I guess, of people's sanity, and you find that more in the comics and the cartoon than the movies, but certainly the Heath Ledger Joker was a character of whom was trying to push those limits. For sure. So we perceive the Joker that way. But back in 66 or 67, when they had this episode air, The Joker wasn't really that character. He was really just a clownish character who committed a whole bunch of crimes. They never really played around with the psychology that much. And I'm wondering whether this episode is actually the first time that that really became a thing with the Joker character. Yeah, I thought it was great that it that it did go there and there's a little bit of darkness elsewhere in the episode too. I mean, Bruce is bringing up the murder of his parents. There's This one does go into more an internal space, yeah, with, with the straitjackets and questioning of sanities. I'd probably agree with you there. Yeah. Mm. There is, of course, some of the other sort of callbacks in this episode where we used to see at the beginning of every Batman would have Bruce teaching Dick some sort of a lesson and Dick would always be failing terribly at the lesson because he's a dum-dum. Uh, this one, we got him failing at economics, which he calls a dull subject. Yeah, but it's so scintillating. I mean, just give Bruce five minutes with <laughs> teaching the economics. And that's why I do hope they went back to it after this, exactly, all the capers. Exactly. Think about the glamour, the romance of commerce. It's all there. Frankly, I can think of nothing more stimulating than economics and um, commerce. Uh, yes, Alfred. Uh, begging your pardon, sir. Speaking of dum-dums, we go straight back to police headquarters where the two chief dum-dums are right there, Chief O'Hara and Commissioner Gordon. Batman rocks up and is like, hey, you've clearly got some sort of microphone strapped to your wrist. <laughs> and Commissioner Gordon's like, oh, how did that get there? And it suggests that maybe someone had bumped into him. And then he remembers a strange costumed man who bumped into him in the subway. Yeah, that's something you might remember. Yeah, <laughs> and also, bit. I've helped put on and take off cufflinks, and that that's not very quick, that process. Yeah, now that's just a cufflink. Have you ever tried, and <laughs> I don't want to get too personal, Fiona, but have you ever inserted a large uh, cord antenna down the left leg, that left trouser leg? Of a, of a commissioner gentleman. of police. Yeah. Uh, I refuse to answer on the grounds that may incriminate me. Because, <laughs> man, that wire, that just kept on going and going. <laughs> With a long trouser leg. He's got a lot going on in there. <laughs> oh, that scene at the police station, like, <laughs> I forgot how funny this show is. Completely forgot. And this is the funniest line I've ever heard in any, probably in anything I've ever seen or heard in my life. When Batman says... You know, it's time for us to go fishing, if you ask me. (laughs) (laughs) And whatever police, I don't know. Chief O'Hara? Yeah, he's like, but where, Batman? Where the fishing is always best, Commissioner. From a shady bank. From a shady bank. I know, makes you think. (laughs) Oh, my God. I watched that, like, over and over, and it does not get less funny. That's pretty good. (laughs) So good. Look, here's the power of the episode, or maybe Nicola is a little bit... uh, What's the name of the gentleman that come by in a van at the end of this episode? (laughs) 
What, you think I need to be committed? No, it is no, interesting, I'm, I'm though. I'm certainly not saying that. No, I think our response to that humour also, maybe we're robots, Dan, because <laughs> yeah. that, that, that only is how, that's how you tell a robot, That's how you tell you know? a robot, by how funny Batman's jokes are. I'm categorically not a robot. So we're in the bank later on, and Batman tells Mr. Glee, which is the name of the robot, uh, a super funny joke, quote unquote, <laughs> mm-hmm. and he didn't laugh, so he's obviously a robot. Obs. Yeah. Now, I have to say, I'm not sure I entirely got that joke. Yeah, I'm not really sure either. <laughs> Am I a dumb dumb? Is that the problem? I think it might have been very off the time. Mm, maybe. Yeah, um, you had to be there. You had to be in Gotham City Bank branch. Speaking of the time, uh, the two robots, there was one named Boff and one named Tok. Uh, the gentleman who played Boff, he's a guy named Clint Ritchie. Now, he's kind of notable to nobody, really, unless you're a hardcore fan of your daytime soaps. He was in 427 episodes of a soap called One Life to Live, which went off the air just a couple of years ago. But anyway, that's a pretty big run for a daytime soap. That's Mm. all right. And he also reprised the character, uh, Clint Buchanan, uh, in an episode of Roseanne. Hmm. Yeah, the more you know. The more you know. (laughs) The more you know. Speaking of Boff and York, I'm all for rehabilitation, but is it wise to set the incarcerated Joker to work on making a training project while he's in the penitentiary and he comes up with creating robot henchmen? Well, Warden Crichton's got a number of crazy ideas in the Gotham Penitentiary, so this is maybe just one of those... Innovations. Yeah, because remember, there's been a whole bunch of times where Commissioner Gordon's questioned his methods. Mm. Fair to do so in this case, I think. Well, because all these criminals keep escaping every three weeks. Well, and he gets (laughs) to take his robot henchmen with him when he leaves. Got to learn skills, though. True. (laughs) It's not all licence plates and... (laughs) No, it's not. And I... It's a bit of a recurring theme, but the Joker is an amazing inventor. And here he's actually, you know, developed androids. And one would say there might be more money in the patent of this technology rather than making a bit of funny money on your comic book press. Fiona, this is the same guy that created time travel. Was it like that two months ago? Exactly. Yeah. I dare say I made the point then too, but (laughs) doesn't he he just in it for the lols? He just wants to have fun. Fair. And cufflink speakers as well. This is years before Bluetooth. Mm. You might be looking at the joke and going, why isn't he making more money doing that? But it's almost as if some deranged mind is trying to taunt our sanity. Where have I heard that before? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, The Joker, he's got like his own automobile, which I thought was kind of cool. The Joker-mobile. Now, this is a bit interesting. So the actual car itself, because it's a fairly distinctive vehicle, uh, it's started life as the Mongrel T, which was built for the Elvis Presley film Easy Come, Easy Go. Hello. Now, do you know the film? I'm a mad Elvis fan. Yeah, so you know the film well? Oh, that's probably not one of the best known ones. No, well, <laughs> I, I must I confess. Know all, yeah. Lesser known films. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen it's my not share. Not your clam bakes or your Viva Las Vegas. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, but the actual car itself was built by a guy named George Barris. Now, George Barris is the dude that built the Batmobile. I wouldn't say he designed the Batmobile entirely, so he got a Lincoln Futura concept car that they'd made. It was sitting in, you know, some garage somewhere for about 10 years. Anyway, he took presumably the white cover off it and played around, and he built the Batmobile out of that. But he's also built a whole bunch of other cars that you'd know from TV shows. So he made the Munster coach, like the Munster, you know. Uh, He made the Beverly Hillbillies car. Mm. The 1928 Porter for My Mother the Car. If anyone's seen that. Nope. Do you know the show I'm talking about? No, I don't. So this is, because don't forget in the 60s, and this is probably a reaction to Vietnam and all the seriousness going on over there. 
But there was just like a whole lot of comedy shows which were like high fantastical humor shows. So like Batman's one of them, but the Adams family'd be there, the monsters, I Dream of Genie, but which all these sort of supernatural high concept series. Anyway, my mother the car starred Dick Van Dyke's brother, Jerry Van Dyke, and the premise was that his mother had died but got reincarnated as this Porter Oldsmobile. Mm. And so he was he was the only person who was able to speak to it. So it was kind of <laughs> like a Mr. Red sort of a thing, except instead of a horse, it's a car. And instead of just some random male horse, it's his reincarnated mother. But of course, in typical 60s fashion, he wouldn't tell his fiancée that he could talk to his dead mother. Instead, there would be all sorts of shenanigans that take place and hilarity as he tries to hide the reality from his beloved. Well, this sounds amazing, and maybe you should save all this for your My Mother the Car Land podcast. Maybe I will. <laughs> so if people know the Simpsons episode where they've got the uh, spin-off showcase, uh, there's Grandpa's love and yes. that's a parody of My Mother the Car. Oh. Yeah. Going back to Mr. Barris, he also updated a whole <laughs> bunch of more. kits for Knight Rider. And Fiona, this will be of interest to you. He also builds and customised a whole bunch of cars for celebrities, including the gold Rolls Royce that Zsa Zsa Gabor used to get around in. Oh, Don't tell it. me you're not a fan of Zsa Zsa. Oh, I've been watching her auction lately. Great interest. <laughs> Has that car rocked up? Dunno. I'm going to have another look. Keep an eye. It's probably in there. Above my pay grade. Yeah. Uh, shall we talk about Penthouse Publishers? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yes. Well, I was thinking, because I didn't know anything about the publishing history of Penthouse, I thought maybe this was some sort of dig at the comic book industry, because there's some comic book stuff going on in this episode. Because obviously Penthouse Magazine, obviously, like we all know, uh, so Penthouse Magazine had apparently started publishing in 65. So I suspect it's probably too early for it to be much of a cultural It wasn't publishing in America till 69, though. So this oh, really? was actually before... Where would Penthouse have started then? Um... This goes beyond my Wikipedia ring. <laughs> Penthouse Magazine began publication in 65 in the UK and in North America in 69. Okay, that's really interesting. In an attempt to create, yeah, in an attempt to compete with Hugh Hefner's Playboy. Yeah, because yeah. magazines like that were very much counterculture at the time in the same way that comic books are. And there's often a lot of people of whom worked in both industries and sort of crossed over a bit. So I thought maybe there was some sort of dig there, but I did a bit of looking around. I couldn't find anything. So I think it's just one of these weird phrasings that got used in Batman that didn't actually really mean anything. Penthouse publishers sold one week ago to a certain Mr. W.C. Whiteface. Here's a question for you all. They claim that the Penthouse publisher company had been sold one week ago to W.C. Whiteface. Mm. Now, I mean, whiteface, I presume that's like Shakespeare, where you don't find that many white faces around anymore. Why, you impertinent flying rodent. But anyway, I would suspect that if there's a gentleman getting around in Gotham named Whiteface and he's involved in criminal type activities, that'd probably put two and two together. Wouldn't you think? Well, yeah, I don't think this is where the Joker it falls over the white a bit. Face. Unless that's his real name, then isn't the document that gives him a seat on the board made out to WC Whiteface instead of... The Joker? So Wouldn't you're suggesting sort of that when he tries presenting this to some sort of court of law or yeah. at least some sort of government bureau which takes care of such paperwork, that they may not necessarily hold up? Yeah. Hmm. Unless he's got a dodgy fake ID that says he is WC Whiteface. But Interesting theory, Fiona, but I suspect you don't know much about the law. <laughs> Gosh, but if all you have to do is just change your name to a name that actually describes your appearance mm. anyway, then what is Bruce Wayne doing this whole time? Like... <laughs> That's a lot of lycra he doesn't need to wear, apparently. Bruce Wayne. Sorry, do you mean WC Batman? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yes, WC Millionaire Man. I'm ruined. Bankrupt. Wiped out. There's only one more chance. 
Oh, excuse me, Mr. Whiteface. I failed to introduce myself. I'm Mr. Bruce Wayne. Oh, at your service, sir. Thank you. Mm. So, yeah, the central thrust of this is he's backed himself into a corner in claiming that he's destitute and therefore needs to come up with some counterfeit money to raise for the organisation because he made some bad investments and whatnot, but can't come clean about that at the end because in doing so would have to say, guess what, I'm Batman. Can I ask a like legitimately serious question here about counterfeit money? Please. There becomes a point where if you get, like, say, a bit of paper and scribble down, like, $10 and hand it to someone, someone's not going to look at that saying, that's counterfeit money because it's clearly a fraudulent thing. Like, it mm. doesn't look like money. It doesn't really feel like money. It's not really money. Okay? Yes. So, I mean, that really isn't counterfeit money. That's just me doodling, like, a fake nose and giving it to you. So, if I am handing you a note which looks authentic on one side, but it's clearly a different paper stock, and then on the other side it's completely blank, is that counterfeit money? Well, if you don't look at the other side, which sort of goes to Gotham City Bank's practices. Apparently bamboozling <laughs> that it was right on one side but not the other. That was like a specific detail <laughs> they couldn't figure out. Yeah. And I think, again, uh, to put the bank on the hook here, I think the fact that what gives Mr Glee away is, as being a robot is the fact that he's so methodical and good at the job that I think it reflects on the other tellers who maybe are passing around half-sided funny money. Speaking of the fact that he was so good at his job, there's a line where I believe it was Batman was saying, are you aware that your new tellers are actual robots? At which point the bank manager says, yes, I did suspect that, but our customers did find them charming. And don't you think this is spoken like a modern day bank manager? So true. And in these days of the Banking Royal Commission and whatnot, I think there's something in this for all of us. We're all going to lose our jobs pretty soon. Humorous robots. Are you a bank teller by trade? (laughs) Well, we've established I'm not a robot, so I will never make it as a bank teller. Yeah, it a, ro- seems. a robot would say that. <laughs> this is original disruption of the banking industry happening mm. here, I think. Mm-hmm. Getting back to the room when Bruce Wayne came in asking for the counterfeit money, mm. I thought it was really, really charming when he started bumbling in the fight scene. <laughs> like, he's there trying to, like, take out the villains, but at the same time sort of act like, you know, he's just the everyday fop that he is. Yeah, he's got to Bruce it rather than Batman. Yeah. Mm. Oh, just a very charming performance. I really yes. like that. Yeah, I do like when we see Adam West adding another layer to his repertoire. He's, he's a great actor, and I don't think he got to show that off elsewhere. But, you know, sometimes in the Batman he gets to do a different character, and here it's dodgy fighter Bruce. <laughs> Is there a better character suited to the actor than Adam West and Batman slash Bruce Wayne? Like, it really just kind of feels perfect. I cannot imagine anyone else doing it. The closest I get to was a Shatner in a role, and it wouldn't really be what it is. Yeah, Yeah. it'd be be a bit more ironic, I think. Yeah, and we often talk about how sad it is that Adam West didn't really get much work beyond the Batman character. But also, he got to be Batman. Like, this is an iconic role that he's going to be remembered for for generations. Mm. So did Val Kilmer, though. Yeah, that's a good point. Someone who also got to be Batman... Alfred Pennyworth. <gasps> he is my Batman. You were great, Alfred. You even sounded like Batman. Yeah. Fiona was watching this next to me at work and like I just hear, Dan! And then like a bit of nudging taking place as so she's looking at Alfred Pennyworth there climbing up the side of the building. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind his vertigo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought it was a bit of a shame that sometimes when they do those climbs that there'll be a guest star that comes out. And I think it would be fantastic if it was maybe like a second tier character in another show who also ah. participated there. Anyway, lost the opportunity. Grandpa Munster or something. That'd be fantastic. Grandpa Al Lewis. Who played Grandpa Munster. Yes. Yeah. But he often refers to himself as Grandpa Al Lewis for years to come. (laughs) Have you not seen Gremlins 2? (laughs) Well, I have, but yeah, that's not my go-to, Gremlins. (laughs) 
Yeah, but Gremlins 2 is the superior movie. Oh, dear. I was really impressed with Alfred's nimbleness. <laughs> and I was confused about why he doesn't have his own. Like, you got Batman, Robin. Like, why no Alfred? Why does he not get his own costume? Why does so- he have to dress up like a skinny Batman? Well, I mean, is that not enough? I'm just like, they've got this talent at their fingertips. They could have another superhero, at the, you know, just like that. He's I ready to he, go. I think he's your everyday superhero. He's the one in the tux there oh. to hide your the secret superhero identity. behind the scenes, yeah. Mm. Also, there's a theory I've banded around on this podcast a couple of times that everybody in Gotham City are really just humouring Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson. <laughs> so my theory is that the two of them are clearly lunatics because they come from wealth and privilege and they don't really have much else going on. So spend that much time in Stately Wayne Manor and you start getting ideas. And so it's the two of them dressing up in costume, going out there, fighting who I presume are other really rich, rich denizens of Gotham City. Okay, and so it's these people fighting these ridiculous lives, and so Commissioner Gordon O'Hara are just humouring the whole situation, and presumably Alfred's in the same situation, like, there as well. Because that's mm. actually more likely <laughs> than, the, than the situation that we have presented with. And the whole thing is just a PTSD flashback. That's exactly what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of stately Wayne Manor, I've been watching a lot of ER in my day-to-day life, like re-watching old episodes of ER. Anyway, I'm watching a series of episodes right now where the Dr. Carter character, who's also of money, uh, his grandparents are like residents at Stately Wayne Manor. What do you mean? So the actual like house that they shot Stately all Wayne right. Manor for, like all the exteriors <laughs> for it, it still regularly gets used in movies. Like pretty much any time that you're seeing people going through a mansion is usually that exact same house. It's the same yeah. things. And so like it's them just standing out the front of Stately Wayne Manor. <laughs> it's very weird. I was also taken by, I think it's the first episode, the scene where they kind of analyse the fabric on Mr. Glee's jacket and they're all, like, disgusted to find that the guy, like, ironed his jacket in a printing (laughs) press. Like, there's several comments about how disgusting that is and I felt personally attacked. Like, I use my hair straightener (laughs) to my everything I wear. If anyone was ever, like, analysing that, like, gosh... Pretty judgy, aren't they? Yeah, so judgy. Like, is this meant to teach me a lesson about laundering and pressing my garments? I don't know. I don't think I've done any actual ironing for about three or four years. Yeah, I tend to wear old stuff, so it's kind of just a wash and wear. <laughs> yeah, it's just what, what I find on the floor, really. But, yeah, hair straightener. Good to know. On your collar. Yeah, there's a lot of... <laughs> A lot of judgment going on there. (laughs) Is it enough judgment to get taken away by the anti-lunatic squad? (laughs) Which I'm not sure is the most PC name for that organisation. Yeah, that is not Holy stigma, Batman. Treatment of mental (laughs) health. (laughs) Just fully go in and put someone in a straitjacket. Yeah. But Mm. equally, (laughs) the means by which he gets there too. I mean, when it all boils down to it, the Commissioner and Chief O'Hara are kind of just upset that he's marrying a woman with a criminal record. Like, that's kind of that, why they haven't committed. It's all the evidence they've got. Yeah. Can we have a moment for the significant overreach of <laughs> Gotham City's finest? I know. Is that enough to be put in an overly tapered jacket, as yeah. he, he refers to it? Fiona, take it to City Hall. <laughs> I, I, I was outraged. I'm sorry. I just think it's an extreme assault on Bruce's citizenhood. <laughs> While we're talking about citizenship here and the rights that you are afforded as a citizen at Gotham in Gotham, 
Robin is often not permitted to drive the Batmobile. He doesn't have his driver's license yet. Okay, although we've been with the show for a year and a half now, surely he's of age to be. You know, he's not all right, though. That's true. He's a dum dum. <laughs> Robin often not allowed to drive the Batmobile. I think he's been permitted to sit in a driver's seat once in the show, which might have been in the first episode. Uh, but Alfred, who presumably the Batmobile is a high-performance vehicle that requires a very specific license to be able to drive it, Alfred's allowed to drive the Batmobile. Well, didn't Alfred kind of help build it? I don't know. Did he? Well, we're making a lot of assumptions here. Yes, but as my Batman, he's allowed to drive the Batmobile. That's fair. Fair call. If you don the suit. Exactly. You get the If case. you iron it by hand. Yes. And speaking of donning the suit, did anyone seem a little bit um, intrigued by the fact that Robin seemed really frustrated he couldn't watch Bruce change into the Batman costume? <laughs> yeah. I, I thought that, that he just was like fed up it was taking so long all of you know two seconds well this is it is that what that's your interpretation my interpretation because they go behind the bush Alfred Mm. and Batman go behind this bush so (laughs) that they can change and swap costumes sorry I just realised why did Alfred need to change that's an entirely (laughs) different thing no he did on no No, because he's still dressed as Batman and they just leave him in the street and drive off and Alfred's just leaving Okay, we've lost Nicola. <laughs> Why do they leave him there? Where's the bat bike when you need it? Uh, the Alf cycle. Sorry, yes. Yep. Which we have seen a couple of times. Mm. But yeah, so they go behind this bush to change costumes. Uh, not swapping because Alfred had a spare costume for Bruce. You never Presumably know when that, you might need it. Well, that's it. Presumably they have different shape. Different sizes, for yeah. sure. It's pretty stretchy. Yeah, a little bit. Well, they'd be really hanging off Alfred. <laughs> But anyway, he they wears go, it like a glove. <laughs> they go behind this bush, and Robin's there, and just look really annoyed that Alfred's behind this bush, and he's not. I did not read the scene that way. Go back and take a look; it's there. It's I, all in I the thought text. he was like annoyed that he was just like waiting. It's like when you're trying on clothes at the shops, and like your friends waiting, and they're like, "Ugh." <laughs> That's what what I thought. Maybe there is more sexual tension in that scene than I thought. All I'm saying is only sexual tension. That's all. We'll have to go back and stream it at SBS on demand. Have to have a good. There was another, um, like Robin's face when is it Josephine is kissing Bruce? Yeah, (laughs) that was classic. Oh, it's all there. Classic. Um, yeah. What was the look on his face? I hadn't really taken that in. It was like for the listeners at home. Jealousy is that the word we're looking for? No, it was like an eye roll and a like ugh. That would be the sound. Ugh. Is it because girls are gross? No, I think it's because girls are always kissing Batman. <laughs> Isn't that like... That's a thing, right? Yeah, girls yeah, are kissing Batman. Either. No one's kissing Robin. No one's exactly. kissing Robin. Especially Batman. Yeah. Girls are marrying Batman or, you know, there's lots of romance around uh, Mr. Mm. Batman. Don't worry about that. But never like... <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Batman? Don't you mean WC Mr. Batman? WC <laughs> Batman. And never, like, you know they say if you keep attracting, like, the wrong kinds of person, like, you got to look at yourself, right? <laughs> like, what is Batman putting out there that all he gets are criminals? Well, look, I mean, you also consider that quite often when Batman and Robin get out of the Batmobile and there's teenage girls nearby, they get very excited about Robin being there. Mm-hmm. This is a thing. It's, it's part of canon at this stage. So, I don't know. There's something going on with Robin where he's obviously not interested in those teenage girls, but clearly Batman is a, it's a figure in his life. Yeah. yeah. Pointing out the obvious here. That's what we do on Batman land. There are a lot of people that were very excited about the Jokermobile as well. I didn't really understand that. How were they excited? Flocking around it, just and they were m- like m- m- they m- were m- like m- looking at the car, being like, ooh, ooh, "Oh my god, it's a car!" <laughs> How do you parallel park that? <laughs> yeah, maybe they were just applauding the maneuver. Yeah, did you notice that when they came out of 
penthouse, I guess, and um, <laughs> went to get in the car and there were all this, like, this little crowd of citizens. No, no one else. Yeah, Fiona <laughs> knows what I'm talking about. I didn't understand. <laughs> Why were they there? Just because it's a cool car? It's I think so. Fancy, funny car? Maybe. Pretty funny. Rent a crowd. Mm. I mean, that's the weird thing. Like, you would assume that weird car, people are going to flock to it. Yeah. But it's Gotham City where regularly people don't acknowledge that Batman's there in a weird suit and, like, they'll have to go, oh, sorry, and you are, sir, and this kind of thing. So, who knows what's going on with these mm. these people mm. as they will play the game of not really sort of acknowledging Batman and Robin as crime fighters. It's true. Yeah. Paid off by the Wayne Foundation. Mm. <laughs> so, Nicola, first mm. of all, welcome to Batman Land. Thank you. It's been good having you. Batman, you said that you've watched a few of these episodes as a kid. Yeah. But presumably you've seen other Batman during the time. When you think about Batman, who's your Batman? Mm. Well... I have seen one film. One? <laughs> Might be. Okay, I saw it at uni. I was not impressed. I think it was Dark Knight Rises. Okay. You hadn't seen the other Dark Knight films before that? No. This is the one where, like, some little girl, like, climbs up a tower and jumps out and it's like, then he, she tries to stab Batman. Is that? <laughs> if you have not seen the film, <laughs> we've given away a major well, plot I point I assume there. that your audience is familiar. <laughs> I don't know. Um, well, you can edit that out. No, I. Fine. I can't take superheroes remotely. Like, if it's really serious, like this really sincere, like, brooding character, I can't take that seriously. Like, it has to be... Like, it's hilarious. Like, it's got to be... Yeah. So it's got to be Adam West for me, without a doubt. So here's your Batman. Here's my Batman. Here's the thing. So we've had people of a range of ages on this show, Mm. okay? But it's very rare that you find anyone under the age of 35 that are like, you know, Adam West is my guy. Mm. But you're there. You're there for it. Here I am. Yeah. (laughs) So you say you don't really like serious superheroes. Mm. What about, say, the Marvel approach to it, where the characters are a little bit more humorous and they're not really quite as grim and gritty as the DC films? Still too dark? i got to be honest, I just... I don't think I've seen any, like, I watch a lot of movies, but I just never go to see that kind of thing. I just don't, doesn't get me going. See the most recent <laughs> Spider-Man. I reckon that might take a few boxes for you. Most recent Spider-Man? Yeah, Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh, God, there's too many. <laughs> well, there's a lot of Spider-Mans. <laughs> oh. They do chop them out every so often and keep them I like, life. oh, I did like Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yeah, I like that. I like a lady superhero. But that kind of makes more sense to me. I don't know. Batman is too... Male superheroes make no sense, but lady (laughs) lady ones do. Yeah, you know, because they get really angry and oppressed and then they just explode with all the, like, feminine rage. That makes much (laughs) more sense. Like, oh, God. Like, that kind of depressed, like, Batman, but he's, like, so sad, but he still puts on this ridiculous outfit. That's so stupid. (laughs) It doesn't make sense. I don't know. I do like the concept, though, of, like... The Joker, just in general. I haven't seen any other iterations other than this episode. So this is your only <laughs> Joker. Okay. Version. That- the only Joker I know. Um, but the fact that, like, it's like the antithesis of Batman, right? He's just, like, a funny guy. And Batman sees no humour in anything. <laughs> Like, super. Uh, that's where so I beg to serious. differ. I think you'll find that Batman did tell the world's greatest joke in this very episode. I was, a good, I was about and to you say. you yourself found it hilarious. <laughs> no, 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 no. The one I found hilarious was. Oh, yes. No, the one in the bank was, I mean. The robot detector. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I also enjoyed how that robot basically exploded and some people in the background did not raise an eyebrow. Like, nope. That's normal. Yeah. 1967 robot bank jealous. In a bank, something exploding <laughs> as well. I mean, you. Yeah. Clutching you. 
Deposit slips a little closer, <laughs> I would have thought. <laughs> well, apparently not. Well, like, on that, um, in this episode, Bruce Wayne does recall the murder of his parents, which in this series isn't really touched on very much. I can only remember in the first episode yeah. they mentioned it. I don't remember a second time. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, yeah, as well. Um, so now we're, what, mid, almost at the end of season two. Yeah, we're in the back third. Yeah, and it's coming up again in an episode dealing with mental illness and grief in that respect, but in, in the way of explaining why Batman does not kill anyone because he's been forever changed by witnessing Yeah, and then it was like the, the German doctor at the end where that got really dark because he's talking about deflator mouse. <laughs> yeah, deflator mouse. Yeah. With no yes. reference to the German opera of the same name. No. Baffling. <laughs> and you can't go Google it in 1967 if you didn't know. No. Well, yeah. Uh, just to, on a tone of talking about deflator mouse, one of the best jokes in pop culture is in the cartoon series The Tick and also comic books. Friend of the, the show. Friend of the show, Ben Edlund, who mm. was in episode six of this podcast. Yep, one of the only episodes I wasn't on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, kills me every <laughs> you time. You that holiday very badly. <laughs> Did I ever? Uh, but Ben Edlund created this character called Deflator Mouse, which is the Batman parody character in the Tick world. Excellent. Yeah, it's always struck me as a very good joke. <laughs> uh, okay, so generally superheroes are too dark. Uh, mm. Batman's your Batman. How do you feel about Robin as a character? <laughs> Batman's your Batman. Batman's my Batman. <laughs> Sorry, there's only one true Batman, this and that's Adam Alfred. West. <laughs> um, how do I feel about Robin? Yeah. Oh, I love him. Okay, that's uh, unusual. I love yeah, him. That's an impassioned people, response. <laughs> people don't like him. Wasn't he? Oh, he was like he's... a real teenage heartthrob kind of guy, right? Oh. Well, that's pretty how they, cute. That's how they make him out to be. There was that great episode where he overdid it in the malt shop and was uh, Mr. Cool, Daddy O. Yeah, that was going another Joker undercover. episode. Yeah. Uh, I want to say The Joker That Ghoul is the name of the episode. And The Joker Goes to the School. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Two parter. Yes. Where Robin overdoes the. He's um, a hip 1960s. He's Daddy a hip cat. Yeah. Yeah. Robin has an incredible um, uh, constitution, right, when he's, like, (laughs) about to be killed, right, like, strapped to a conveyor belt and be, like, smushed. (laughs) And Bruce Wayne slash Batman is, like, pulling the lever and, like, Mm. really half-heartedly trying not to. It really doesn't look like he cares. Yeah, he didn't seem to be going a huge amount of effort. (laughs) Yeah, and Robin's just, like... Well, I know you're doing your best. Like, whatever happens, happens. <laughs> like, wow, that's admirable. Inc- Valiant, isn't it? Incredible yeah. um, mental stability. Yeah. Batman and never, like, in any incarnation, like, ever gets with someone, like, seriously, right? Uh, well, in the comics, he's father-child. Like, you know, there's progression happening in the romance fronts every so often with Batman. Mm. But and in the, in the movies, Nolan movies, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yeah, although, I mean, she gets killed off in the second one. Yeah. And this is the thing, these romances always end up with tragedy. Yeah, they're always or, tragic, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so in the first Batman film, the Tim Burton one, there's uh, Vicky Kim vale. Basinger as uh, Vicky Vale. Uh, and the second one, no, there's the Michelle Pfeiffer, Catwoman. Yes. Yeah, which I guess the real love of his life. Yeah, Catwoman is obviously. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> until Robin comes along. What about, is Alfred related to Batman? That's another question I have. Uh, no, so I think uh, it depends on what version of Batman you're looking at as well. So in this series, I don't think they really define him as anything other than Butler. Mm. Yeah, I like, think I he's just on the payroll, but he's a very dedicated Butler. 
Mm. Yeah, so in the majority of the Batman stories, he's usually a butler that was working for the Wayne parents and then they get killed and so he keeps looking after this kid. And he's a pseudo-father figure. And mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So that usually happens. Uh, but look, we've learned a fair bit about Batman, but what <laughs> about you? So why are you here? Oh, gosh. <laughs> okay, that was you a tell big me. question. <laughs> That's a little provocative. Why am I, Why are any of us here, really? It's true. Who can Just trying this? to do my best. And, um... But you're one of our colleagues here at SBS. <laughs> yeah. And I haven't met anyone from the Insight team before. Here we are. Explain what you do. Um, yeah, so I work for a show called Insight, or a current affairs program on SBS. And, yeah, mostly I find people to come on our show. So I'm presuming you got there by being a journalist. Yeah. Yeah. What made you choose journalism? Was there a pop culture character that made you think, yeah, journalism? Oh, yeah, I was really inspired by Lois Lane. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I was going to be a science, um, a scientist. And like then, Batman. Is Batman a like scientist? Like the Joker. Batman's a scientist. And the Joker's a scientist or technician in some forms. What kind of scientist is Bruce Wayne? He's a millionaire? <laughs> He's a scientist? Homer? Homer? Yellow. Homer, there's a man here who thinks he can help you. Batman? No, he's a scientist. Batman's a scientist. It's not Batman. I know he's he an industrialist. It. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> um, yeah, much like Batman. <laughs> yeah, I was going to be a scientist and then I was kind of trying to be a science writer for a while and then I got this job, which is more, yeah, current affairs. Mm. So SBS derailed your dreams? Um, yeah, destroyed my life. Yeah. Like so many of us. <laughs> no, no, not really. Not well, at all. <laughs> given your journalistic leadings, I'm I'm going to say I'm I'm shocked you're not as outraged as I am about this gross overreach uh, by Commissioner Gordon in this episode. <laughs> I'm just going to bring it up again. <laughs> overreach. Which, of, are, which overreach? Which one? <laughs> Having Bruce Wayne oh, committed. Yeah, yeah. I was also. I mean, <laughs> that was pretty bad. But then I think I was sort of brought back to life by the part where um. They use like a magnet ray to get Batman out of the back of a van. Yeah, now tell me, as a scientist, <laughs> I imagine he'd get quite a few owies when he fell to the ground out at the back of that vehicle. I was more concerned. Like, they're like, this will attach to the metal buckles in his straitjacket. Shooting it at a car. Yeah. <laughs> and what's that made of? <laughs> like, it's just going to specifically get Batman free. Do you know how it got him free? Because <laughs> Batman developed that very instrument, which managed to magnetise his buckles. Batman mm. is that good a scientist? The kind of scientist that puts labels on all of his inventions. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. As oh. every good scientist does. Yeah. Yes. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's very verbose. At the end of every Batman Land episode, we like to talk about the lessons that we've learned from this week's Batman. Fiona, we'll run with you first. What did you learn from the great man himself? Well, I learned that as Sebastian for all that is right and good in the world, Batman slash Bruce Wayne doesn't have a problem with Alfred violating a court order in order to uh, free Batman. It's okay when it's him. Not the due process, never mind. Because he's a stickler for the rules, that guy. Yes, very much so. Yeah. And also he drops a... I'm a personal friend of the commissioner when he's being carted away. As if that's going to make a difference. I'm sorry. You know, <laughs> one rule for everyone. Wow. Yeah, I'm not feeling comfortable about any of these revelations at all. I know. No. Uh, Ms. McCaskill, what mm -hmm. did you learn from the great man? Um, well, I learned that even Batman needs to establish proof before punching the Joker, which I was <laughs> amazed by. Oh, so what, when he just thought he was WC Whiteface, he wouldn't punch <laughs> him. But once he worked out, he was in fact the Joker. Yeah, he had to see the he had to see them print the fake money before attacking him. So 
that was, yeah, I mean, the main, honestly, the main thing I learned is where the best place to go fishing is. <laughs> Look, I mean, that's true. A lesson that I'll a, never forget. That's a life lesson, that one. <laughs> uh, the lesson I learned, and this is one that all of us can take away, it's sometimes difficult to think carefully when you're strapped to a printing press. <laughs> it's only sometimes. Mm. Yeah. Sometimes it's fine. Yeah. I mean, it, you know. <laughs> There's a ventriloquism lesson. Oh, my God. <laughs> Okay, well, <laughs> we've lost Nicola again, but while we wait for Nicola to compose herself, something I wanted to talk about on this week's Batman Land is this week's a really important week in the world of pop culture and superheroes and Batman as part of this. Uh, Superman, you'd be familiar with the character. Uh, this week actually marks the 80th anniversary of Action Comics coming out. Okay, so it's technically not quite this week, but they are releasing the 1000th issue of Action Comics which as far as comic books go, like this is the one that kind of kick-started everything. Uh, as far as comic books used to exist, it was really just comic strips in the newspaper. And then in the mid-30s, they decided, oh, let's put them into books. At that point, there were no superheroes around. Like it was all just crime books and funny books and romance books. But there was nothing really that we see as being a comic book today. But then Superman came along in issue one of Action Comics and kind of kick-started this whole thing. So for the entire history of Superman from 1938 when it first started through to probably the mid to late 60s, Superman was kind of like the major comic book character, like he was the superhero. It was only in the late 60s and 70s that the Marvel characters like Spider-Man and all that came to prominence. And then Superman kind of had a bit of a revival in the late 70s with the films coming out. But then after that, Batman kind of became the guy. Mm. So I mean, Batman's always been popular. But he's always been sort of a fringe, sort of side character popular. He's never been, like, the main character. But this week, with Action Comics uh, issue 1000 hitting the shelves, there's a whole bunch of comic shops around Australia at the moment doing interesting things, like in-store appearances by people. So if you're interested in being part of this, like, pop cultural phenomenon, uh, stop by your local comic book store. And you can buy some Batman books while you're there. But maybe celebrate uh, Superman and see, you know, where it all began. Why not? Yes. Uh, Fiona Williams, people can find you on Twitter, correct? You can. Yes, you can find me at anything but Fifi. Uh, Ms. McCaskill, can mm. people find you on the Twitters? Yeah, it's very long. It's at Nicola McCaskill. <laughs> How does yeah. she come up with it? Yeah. People can find me at the Dan Barrett. If you are there talking about Batman, use the hashtag Batmanland. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review. It helps other people find the show. If you enjoy this podcast, you might enjoy one of our other podcasts. Fiona Williams, you host another podcast here at SBS. I do, as it happens. Uh, I host a little podcast called The Playlist, where we talk about movies and TV. Yeah. Uh, in the most recent episode, we saw there was an interview with the Homecoming Queen's creators. There was indeed, yes. A new show that's dropped at SBS On Demand. We yeah. speak to them. And we talk about Isle of Dogs, the new Wes Anderson film in cinemas. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, if people are enjoying the TV show The Good Fight, which is airing here on SBS at 9.40pm on Wednesday nights, check out The Good Fight, SBS fan podcast, the best-named podcast in podcasting history. You can check that out. I'm on that with my good friend Sarah Malik, and the two of us there talk about The Good Fight each week. We take a look at what the episode is doing, but then we go deep into some of the real-world issues that inform the show. Anyway, it's nerdy fun, so check that show out. Anyway, this has been another Batman Land. Thank you very much to our guest Nicola McCaskill and to Fiona Williams for popping by the cave once more. My name's Dan Barrett. We'll see you next week.